love Michigan sports. Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Michigan, Michigan State, and the list goes on. And you love beer. Love beer. Who doesn't? What if we mixed the two together? my sports we'll talk everything michigan sports like only we do and then we'll down our fair share of beer from a local brewery grading the beer throughout the episode so pop a cold one on your end and we'll get busy on ours this is the state of my sports and this is episode 181, recording on November 15th, 2022. Win Streak City is what it is. Michigan. Michigan sports, Detroit, you know. Uh, Lions on a two-game winning streak now. Sparty's on a two-game winning streak. And, and obviously Michigan is, is 10-0, so we got to love that. Talk about all that. MSU trying to get bowl eligible uh, this upcoming week. And um, Michigan trying to keep, keep their... Uh, the win streak alive against Illinois. So first time going 10-0 since 2006, which is awesome. Uh, we will go around the league in both college football and NFL. And we'll make our picks, picks against the spread in our betting hero segment. Of course, we'll drink and review some craft beer um, from the state of Michigan. If you're joining us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch, let us know what you're sipping on tonight and, and be part of the conversation. Let us know about the... Which, which game you like the most, I guess, this weekend out of the three football ones. Um, before we jump in, I did want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors that help keep this rolling and free for our listeners. The Hops Brewing Company and Cafe is the official brewery of State of My Sports, and BettingHero.com helps us and you get the best promotions available in the sports betting world. I'm Sam Waldhart. With me today, we got John Dornboss back from a birthday week. How you been, man? Yeah, one week off. One week off. It was your birthday. I get it. Yeah, I kind of had a jam-packed Tuesday. How'd it birthday. Go? How was um, the birthday? Long day of work. Had to go stand in the polls to vote. Oh yeah. And then uh yeah, had some dinner with a few special people in my life. Awesome. And uh yeah, just another year, man. Good. Another uh, another lap around the sun. Is 30, that what they call it? Thirty four? Thirty four. Thirty four. Yep. L- lucky lucky number. Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. Is that what number you were in like sports and stuff? Basketball. Was it really? I didn't know that. Mine Ray, is 33, and this is my 33rd birthday. Ray, Ray Allen. Yeah, oh, inspired 34. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Very nice. It was with the, the Bucks, I think. Yeah. So, when your birthday lands on a Tuesday, which one is your birthday weekend? Is it the one prior or the one after? It was a long week, Sam. Yeah? Yeah, I'd say both weekends I took advantage of, the, of <laughs> the birthday falling in between. Um but this year, it definitely leaned heavy on the weekend before, weekend yeah. prior. Because that was the one that you were at the – no, that was the week prior that you went to the Michigan game. Yeah, two weeks prior. I guess that was kind of my birthday gift to myself, too, yeah. was going to that game. That was a last-minute deal. Ticket opened up. It's still expensive to go, but yeah. it was a good time. It was good to be in the big house again. Do you hunt? I do. Yeah, um, obviously I knew that. Like deer – yeah, deer camp. Today you, is – yeah. Did you go – you probably didn't get out. You said it was a busy yeah, day today. Gun season opener. No, unfortunately, just running low on vacation time. And yeah. Didn't want to go out there during the craziness of opening day. I never really have that much luck anyway. Yeah. So one of those deals, uh, the weather, I didn't want to, like, take the day off ahead of time and have the weather be yeah. bad. I mean, today seemed to be kind of ideal for most hunters. They like a little bit of snowfall that kicks things up sometimes. Um, But, yeah, busy at work. So – Taking advantage you of have, the overtime. Do you have a scheduled time to go go there either for a weekend or? 
Um, probably, probably next weekend following okay. the holiday. Yeah. Uh, usually, oh, so Michigan, Ohio State weekend. It's tough, yeah. Um, but usually go up the Friday after Thanksgiving okay. and go hunting with my dad. Kind of a tradition we started when I was pretty young. Sweet. So we're going to shoot for that. Again, kind of get caught up at work and hopefully not have any flack for yeah, taking that day take off. Any yeah, time. Yeah, extra time off. Good for you, man. Um, but, I mean, really, it's just get into the episode, I guess, right? But let's uh, talk about what we're, what we're drinking tonight. We got one to share here, uh, courtesy of Micah and Carrie, actually. Um, they got this one, Arvon Brewing Company. It is chocolate fountain sour. Oh boy! Chocolate sour. So, oh yeah, I actually have this on paper, and I don't have to read the can. Look at me thinking of things ahead of time. So, obviously, from Arvon Brewing Company, it's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's on uh, Division Avenue, south south side of, of Grand Rapids. Would you say? Yeah, I think just, that's, just that's south. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, very nice piece of location. I love I love that place. I love hanging out there. Um, no TVs, so I don't usually go there on Saturdays during super or like during sports. But um, I like to I like to get there quite often. But um, so this chocolate fountain is a kettle sour with raspberries, blueberries, chocolate, and lactose. Um, they describe it on on their website with high notes of tart berry medley and sweet blueberries, supported by the cozy sweetness of marshmallow and chocolate. It's five percent alcohol by volume. I did not. All right. So when I saw her chocolate i was like okay it's gonna be a dark right never heard of a chocolate sour um and it's got like a i don't know which camera would, would be best here i'm gonna go with, with mine maybe like that color there is is it's red right like i would say that's a red color. yeah definitely like a velvet red yeah uh interesting color wasn't expecting it until i i poured it um but i do want to get my first taste in here Actually, not not bad at all. <laughs> That's not bad. They make good sours there. They do too, make don't very they? good sours. Yes, I love their sours. I didn't know how it would. So this is actually part of their uh, candy harvest. So they do a bunch of uh, uh, specialty like candy version ones during the the Halloween time. So that's what that one was from. Um, man, that's actually really good. I might have to have another sip of that. The rest is yours, man. Pour, pour it into your cup. Man, that's a. The second sip is actually better than the first. I'm not gonna lie. I'm excited. Yeah, it's uh very interesting, but very very good. Carrie jumped jumped in. She said uh, it's the best, so she's gonna get she's gonna rate that beer right now. She already gave she's giving it a nine one. So she was drinking it this weekend. She was at Arvon. Her and Mike uh, had some friends in town that they that really wanted to go to Arvon. So that was kind of what they what they wanted to do. Um, so they brought them there and. Yeah, the, the chocolate sour is is interesting. Did you did you taste it yet? Are you gonna give Not it, yet. you gonna, gonna give it some time? Yeah, you're gonna have to let us know what you think at the end there. But Carrie, high grade for for the chocolate fountain there sour. So yeah, not I can't tell her she's wrong, but I'll give my grade at the end of the episode. Carrie, what are you drinking tonight? That's that's what we all want to know. Um, before we jump into episode 181, I want to remind everyone that the Hops Brewing Company and Cafe is currently closed, but they're uh, working towards getting back up and running. Uh, they're running into some staffing issues and kind of going through some changes that they're trying to uh, work out. Um, if you're interested in work working for the Hops Brewing Company, check them out. Um, that's basically all we got. We've been, this has gone on a lot longer than I thought it would. I thought it would be like, oh, a couple weeks and we'll have, you know, this uh, ready to go. You know, back up and running here. Yeah, maybe at least like a little bit of an update. Like, yeah. oh, this is what we're shooting for timeline-wise. But I've, I've, I'm getting crickets. Um, that's kind of. Oh, sorry, that was two weekends ago. That, that 
Uh, they went to Arvon, not not last weekend. So um, last weekend was all hockey for them. I forgot about that. They were in Cadillac. Nice uh, nice win for for Max's team and a tie as well. Which if you know that team, it's it's good to get a nice winner in a tie. You know, they're, they're, it's been a rough start for them at the beginning, but they're it sounds like they're making some good progress. So that's good. She's drinking mom water, which is what is it? Lemon blueberry flavored, just water. What is mom water? I feel like that's a seltzer. Oh, is it really? Maybe. Oh, I'm, I I don't know if it's like my mom's water is vodka. I know that. Um, I don't know what what mom water is, but yeah, my mother would be whiskey for sure. Yeah. Yes, big Jack Daniels fan. Okay, Andrea is more of a wine. Like that's what she would drink okay. if anything. Um, but she doesn't really drink that much. I don't know why. But I just, I guess. She sees what it does to you as yeah, a Detroit exactly. sports fan. Exactly. She's, she knows better. So moving on. Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. <laughs> You're listening to State of My Sports. It's vodka water seltzer, and it's called Karen. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Interesting. The Detroit Lions uh, went into Chicago and got their first road road win of the season in the Dan Campbell tenure, thirty-one to thirty, in a nice come from behind gritty performance. The the teams uh, went into halftime ten ten when the Bears outscored the Lions fourteen to nothing in the third quarter. The Lions' first drive of the fourth, while trailing twenty-four to ten, Goff threw the interception, but it was called back by an illegal hands to the face penalty. Um, and Swift took advantage with a nine-yard touchdown run. One minute and four seconds later, you got the Buckeye and Buckeye crime there when Akuda took an interception to the house to tie the game at 24. Justin Fields answered back with a 67-yard touchdown run, but they missed that extra point to keep the, to put the Bears up six with 9-11 left. The teams exchanged a couple three and outs, and with 5:23 from their own nine-yard line, the Lions put together an eight-play touchdown drive that took three minutes and two seconds off the clock, which included a huge third and eight play that netted Tom Kennedy 44 yards and was sealed by a Jamal Williams rushing touchdown, who is now tied for second in the league with nine on the year. Uh, Bagley hit the extra point to put the Lions up. And the defense made made a couple stops there with two huge stacks, one by Aiden Hutchinson, and then uh, Aquara got his second of the day, um, and you know solidified their their third win of the season. It was it was nice. Jared Goff, uh, not anything spectacular, but took care of the football. I think that's kind of the biggest thing with him. He went 19 of 26, 236 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Jamal Williams again getting the bulk of the carries with 16 carries uh, for 59 yards with that touchdown that we already mentioned. DeAndre Swift, only six carries, um, so still seems to be on a pitch count. Justin Jackson got a couple um, plays in there, but I'm on Ross A. Brown. Can't talk enough about this guy. Ten receptions, 119 yards. Absolutely unbelievable game for him, which was which was really good to see. It's nice to see. It, it looked like it was his first game back at, like, back into it. You know what I mean? Because he was fighting those injuries. Um, he had the concussion. He had, um, I think it was an ankle or something like that. So it was nice to see him get back back into the the groove there. Yeah, he's been banged up, but he's also Mister Reliable on this offense. Look, the guy catches the ball, and uh, to have ten catches on Jared Goff's nineteen completions yeah. just goes to show that he's our number one weapon downfield. T.J. Hawkinson's gone. He's going to have to step up a little bit more, and uh, I'm good with it, man. He's 
going back to the end of last season till now, if you didn't have that injury stretch, you'd be looking at him as a guy that's like competing with the Jamar Chases and Justin Jeffersons of the world, yeah. the Cooper Cups of the world. Um, maybe not longevity wise, but in a stretch, uh, looking very impressive. It's good to have him back on the field. Yeah, he's definitely not as like dynamic as they are and flashy, but he does it right. Like he is, he he reminds me so much of, of Golden Tate in his heyday. Um, when he was with the Lions, and I think that's something that they're going to really need. And hopefully, Jameson Williams can be the, you know, the flashy guy that can do it all. Someone that they have to worry about and not just contain, if you will. Um, I love what he's doing. He's so important. And when you look at what this um, wide receiving core is looking like, man, he's he's so important right now. Um, and really, you got to have a great game from him to even stay close in this in these type of games. Oh yeah, to stand a chance. I mean, you can't. I don't know, the the Russian game. It wasn't good. Yeah, not great. You know, I expected a lot more against a bad uh, Bears run defense. Especially at Soldier Field. Yeah. You know, it's a tough place to really throw the ball around downfield much. Um, Mm -hmm. Usually it seems to be a lot less scoring games, uh, recent history. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. He is just a solid overall average performance yeah, by the was, offense I mean, was, everything was kind of spread around yeah it was interesting how, how it, it, you look at the numbers and it's like man how'd they score 31 points yeah because you don't really see anybody outside of Amon Ross and Brown really exploding off the page there um Justin Fields he was two of 12 or sorry 12 of 20 for 167 yards two touchdowns and one interception but rushing was was crazy he went, had 13 carries for 147 yards um and also two more additional touchdowns on on the ground there um, he accounted for four, and it was, it was that was, he was very frustrating to play against. It was like you you had him contained, and all of a sudden he just he would break tackles and go. And this seems to be a continuing issue for for this defense is these these guys that can um, move around, these quarterbacks that can move, yep. um, make it a little more difficult. Like we're getting there, we're we're putting pressure on him, we're even hitting him. We look like we have him wrapped up, and all of a sudden just. Nope, not even close. And he just moves on. Yeah, they're make, defense is making it very hard uh, to spy on a guy like that. Um, kind of reminded me of flashes of that game Detroit had in the bag against Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes was That's able to break good, away yeah. on a couple runs when he didn't have too many downfield options throwing yep. the ball. Um, so yeah, it's just it's history there. Detroit side defense, yeah. you know, defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm. I don't know. You know me, Sam. I wanted uh, the Lions to draft yeah, Justin you're, Fields. You're looking smart right now. Um, Finally. And oh well, th- this is the only time I've gotten to brag about that. Yeah, uh, right. that <laughs> idea because uh, Panay Sewell's been playing pretty phenomenal. Yeah, too. yeah. I don't. Uh, I, that's that's a can't miss pick. Let's be honest. Um, I was looking at the future of the franchise and hoping that maybe we could just make a splash with a quarterback name, something competitive there. Uh, but yeah, he's looking great. Um, but again, it's the Detroit defense. Mm-hmm. Is he going to keep up these kind of numbers going, you know, going forward the rest of the season? Maybe, but yeah. he's running the ball more than any quarterback has in his. Yeah, team. a lot of design runs. Yep. Um, looks like they're finally okay with it. You know what I mean? And so that's that, that's not why I was the big the big fan of him. It wasn't because of his feet. I yeah. mean, he has that mobility, um, that option. But I just thought he'd drop back and be a gunslinger in Detroit. Yeah. Um, and he's I don't know he's getting. A few guys, but he doesn't really have a good wide receiving core yet. I'm sure he's still getting used to Chase Claypool. Too, yeah. So. Yep, and I think that was one of the better things about the the defense was the the passing yards that they held him to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they had 150 passing yards, but they 74 of those were to the tight end, 
four catches for two touchdowns. Um, Mooney had four catches for 57 yards. And Chase Claypool, only one catch for um, eight yards. I mean, that's containing, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's a that's a positive thing. And I think we're we're seeing that kind of back-to-back games. Yeah, the um, I think Aaron Rodgers ended up with, with just under 300 yards passing. Um, but it, it seemed like we, you know, contained them for, for the most part. It wasn't like easy all the time you know what I mean and and that's kind of uh, something to hang our hat on uh, I did want to clarify here real quick it is actually called so Carrie sent me a picture here um it's called mom water I don't know if we can see it in the in the camera here it's actually called mom water and the, I she, so she said in the comments that it's called Karen and I thought she was joking because that's our mom's name um but it actually is called Karen so it's lemon blueberry and it's called Karen so yeah so just for just to clarify, I I thought she was joking and I did I didn't know how to but she yeah she cleared it up for me so thanks for clearing that up Carrie. Um, anyways, uh, I think the big the numbers kind of lay, lay out pretty evenly. Um, one of the biggest things that stood out to me was the penalties nine penalties for eighty six yards for the Bears and only two penalties for fifteen yards for the Lions. It felt I, I it felt like the Bears were the Lions. You know what I mean? Like how many times? would we get a play and all of a sudden, oh, we got to take it back for holding. Or we get a stop, oh, nope, we got to take it back because of a hands-of-the-face Trinity Benson that got poked in the eye and somehow blew out his knee or something like that. I, that was one of the weirdest plays ever. But it was just like that was the interception I think that got called back was the, the when he got poked in the eye and <laughs> I think they had to cart him off the field for some reason. Like it was just – it was bizarre. I don't know exactly. And I, I'm laughing and I feel bad because he got hurt. But um, it's just – it felt like all of those penalties were, were crucial – um, drive killers for the Bears, and it really helped the Lions. Not not only for that that interception that that changed the game, but just it seemed like drive in and drive out they would shoot themselves in the foot, and it was nice to see somebody else shoot themselves in the foot. And I don't know if it, losing the way that they did by missing the extra point that's so Lions. I just it felt so good for it to happen to someone else. So um, really like that on the on the defense sticking with the defense I thought Hutchinson seems to be starting to be used differently where it's not necessarily all right buckle up go for the quarterback every single time you know what I mean like he's it seems like they're setting him in a spot to to read the play and kind of drop back and just kind of let the play develop and then go to the ball um you know he he did get the sack in the last drive he also had eight tackles but I really think his best play was the one that the pick six that Okuda had was he he was he was getting ready to go and he felt that all right the tight end let him loose and he goes that doesn't feel right step back made that that throw extra hard on on fields as somebody else is getting pressure like i want to give them credit to i forget who it was sorry but um if if Hutchinson didn't feel that and read that it would have been a much easier play he stepped back they had to throw it over Hutchinson and end up going right to Akuda for the for the pick six that was a really it was nice to see you know what I mean? I, and I, look, I, I don't think he's necessarily written in stone that he's going to be a superstar yet by any means. Um, but it kind of makes me feel a little better about the the, the in the, like I was never saying he was a, a bust or anything like that. But that talk was around. It was like, oh, he's not he's not affecting the game nearly enough for for a second round pick early on. Um, I thought that was a little uh, premature. And I think he's he's answering the bell a little bit. He looks healthier. Um, he looks more comfortable, and I think that's really good. I think we have a foundational piece with, with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's if, if you look at the NFL 
it takes takes a couple years for these defensive linemen, pass rushers, to catch up to the a the speed of the game and the size of the game. He's going against bigger offensive linemen than he ever has. Um, it's nice to see him make that instinctive play, mm-hmm. as opposed to watching him put 150 percent effort into something and he's not even crossing the line of scrimmage. Yep, that's a good way to say it. Um, uh, people got to remember he's still a big. Big boy, he's a big frame, and he's got long arms. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, getting in the middle of a pass is sometimes better than, you know, falling down at the quarterback's feet and not getting Exactly, especially the anywhere. way, you know, Justin Fields is hurt. Now, there was also a play that I think he overpursued, and it allowed Justin Fields to, to get away from what should have been a clear sack because he kind of took the middle and opened it up. So, I think Justin Fields kind of spun out. And, and ran the other way, like right where Hutch should have been. So, I mean, those mistakes are still there, but it's still just really nice to see, like the, like you said, the instincts being used. I think that's – you have to have instincts. You can't just bully people in this league. Yeah, you can't just rely on your physical attributes. Um, we've seen guys become busts outside of, uh, you know, the Detroit Lions' second overall pick. And right. Hayden Hutchinson, I don't want to call it a bust either. Um, but, yeah, it's – it's just nice to know that he's got that and he's mixing that in with like the NFL, you know, style and yeah, yeah getting in the way, guys. Yep, another bust uh, label that was put on somebody mainly because of his injuries, um, Jeffrey Okuda. Nice to see him get a, a game-breaking play. You know what I mean? Like he's he's been a lot better. His stats aren't aren't wonderful by any means, but he's been a pleasant surprise and he's been very very good to see him get that pick six. Not not only just because it was against his former teammate, which is makes it even better, but just the fact that he was able to change a game, like on the scoreboard in in the moment, like that was so important. I think something that you know the the confidence that cornerbacks need eventually to start getting that extra swagger to continue to perform. You know what I mean? I know it sounds silly because like you don't necessarily need it to be a good corner, like the the big game breaking plays. But I think it's it's a piece to start um, becoming that shutdown corner. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm I was excited to see that. Happy for him. Uh, long road to get back there. So uh, really nice. And, and I think the best part about him was he's he's played ninety three percent of the snaps this year. So I mean he's been banged up on a snap or two here and there where he's missed a couple snaps. But for the most part he's playing, and it's great to see. Yeah, I think uh, you're expecting him to maybe have some time off, take some more plays off. You know, not you don't want to overdo it, especially for a team that's been struggling this year in the win column. Um, but yeah, he's healthy, and at the beginning of the year, he shut down some big name wide receivers. He did. Yep. Um, you know, a little bit of stretch in there where we've been banged up in other parts of the secondary, so it's putting a little more pressure on him. Yep. He's probably got to change the way he's playing, where he's lining up all the time, but. Yeah, it's great to see that he's healthy um, and showing the value of that pick. Yeah, yep, for sure. Um, secondary in general, ever since they fired, was it Aubrey Pleasant? Is that who it was? Um, the secondary's coach. They have four interception. It just looked a lot better. I think Kirby Joseph was exposed a couple times in this game um, that I think he made the wrong read. It's hard to tell. There was that, that one that they should have handed handed him off on that, that long touchdown by uh, Komet, or, or Komet, but... Um, I don't know whose fault that was, it, it, but it just looked like a couple young guys not knowing how to communicate. And in my opinion, it looked like it was Joseph's fault. Like he was the one that should have read that um, better. But who knows? Coming I, off, uh, you know, his best performance. Yeah. You know, at Lambeau. Yep. Um, 
So maybe that just as importantly, it it was nice to see him out there after what happened at the end of that Packers game, wondering if he was healthy and all that stuff. But a couple uh, things that I wanted to bring up Uh, in the losses, the Lions are minus eight in the turnover margin and in their three wins, they are plus four. Obviously, that's uh, not a new stat for any like I'm not breaking any news that the turnover margin is that important um, because it always has been and always will be. Um, but Goff taking care of the football really is the key because uh, not only are the interceptions just always bad, like it just seems like they've been at some of the worst times um, in, in previous games and in the games that they, they end up losing in, in, a, in a close game, if you will. Um, so nice to see him take care of the football. He's got to continue to do that for this team to be successful. Um, we kind of already talked a little bit about uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, just wanted to touch on just how important he is because of the lack of, of, of wide receivers. Sharks still out. Reynolds is out now. Cephas and still no Williams. It's like you, you're dealing with guys like Tom Kennedy and Khalif Raymond are, are really your number two and three right now. And that's how that's why Amon Ross St. Brown is so important right now. And he needs to stay healthy. He needs to continue to do what he does. And I love the connection with him and golf. I think it's something to it, it, it's not the flash in the pan that I personally was concerned that it could have been at the end of last year. Um, it seems to be legit. And I think he's a legitimate wide receiver um, continuing to grow. So uh, that that's really really all I wanted to say about that game. Um, kind of just going into the Giants matchup. Obviously, you got the seven and two Giants, um, which I mean, no question the key for this game is, is stopping the run in Saquon Barkley. Um, he leads the league in rushing yards uh, with nine hundred thirty-one, and second in twenty-plus runs with seven uh, against the second worst run defense in all football, allowing. 1,448 yards, which uh, is 5.3 yards per carry and 160 rushing yards per game. That's the Lions defense against, obviously, the um, best best running back in, in football right now. That, that's really important. And um, we mentioned kind of how Justin Fields was was the the difference maker in that uh, when it came on the on the ground here. Um, Last three games, the Lions have only allowed 79 yards per game to the running backs. Um, so containment, making Jones throw, um, is going to beat you. I think Jones, he, he's the one that will get you too. I, I, he's obviously not Justin Fields right. or anything along those lines or, or Josh Allen or something like that, but he's he's sneaky. He's sneaky good, and that makes me nervous. He's hard to bring down, um, and – we just haven't shown that we've been able to stop that type of quarterback yet. And when you combine that with a Saquon Barkley, that that's a that's a matchup that I'm not looking forward to watching, and it, it's going to keep me up, you know, up at night. Oh, I'm abs- sure it's keeping the other coaches up or the actual Absolute, coaches. I absolutely, say. yeah. I <clears throat> I don't know that the Giants' wide receiving core is that prolific. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where oh, we can shut down with our secondary. But then you still have a two-headed horse back there yeah. between Daniel Jones being able to move his feet a little bit. I mean, Saquon Barkley, another guy coming back, um, showcasing you know the the potential that he had coming out of Penn State. Yeah, getting back to that that prime form. Uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. At yeah, all. It, it'll be interesting to see how they um, try to stop him because, like you said, they they don't have a a crazy good. Um, wide receiving core. I think they're actually missing their best uh, wide receiver, if I remember correctly. 
Um, I can't think of his name. Is it, it's not Shepard anymore, is it? Yeah. Sterling is it Shepard? Shep- I think yeah. he's out, right? He is. I think it's ACL or Achilles. Yeah, so he's out. So that, that helps. Um, but you got a couple other guys. That, Kadarius you know, Tony, they traded yeah, he's to gone. the Chiefs. Kenny Galladay keeps getting sat. Is, <laughs> he, is he still on the roster? He I don't, is, I don't yeah. know. I follow him on Instagram, but you can't tell that he plays football. <laughs> he hasn't posted a football pick in a long, long time. It's because I don't think he has a catch in a long, long time. Gee so. whiz. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see how, and, and the person that comes to mind is Jeffrey Okuda because you had him in that, I think it was the Dallas game. He had like 15 tackles, was just pounding guys. Like all over the field, too. Like he was all over the field. Yep. They were using him that way, and I feel like they might try that again where he's, he's not necessarily matched up on a wide receiver every down. It's more or less throw him out there, make him, let, let him make a play, hit yeah. these guys hard, make Saquon Barkley earn every inch with a nice hard hit. You know what I mean? I think it's going to look similar to that. Um, just the Giants' defense isn't that elite, uh, but as long as the offensive line continues what 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 they're doing, I, I think the Lions will be able to move the ball, and I think it could be a, a long, drowned-out you know, type drives, kind of like it was against the Packers. Um, and it's just coming down to, to getting a takeaway or two and taking care of that football. Um, I, I think Swift's a, a very important key here. I, I want to see him full go um, and just need somebody other than Amon Ross St. Brown to make plays to win this type of game because, look, the Giants are going to put, put some points up. That's what's going to happen, and it's not because of how great their offense is, but it's because of how bad the Lions defense still is. And – they got a solid kicker too, so if they're if they're not scoring touchdowns, there's a good chance they're moving the ball across midfield, mm-hmm. and they got a chance at tacking on a couple extra points. Um, yeah, see, so that's so a you, home game, right? It, no, it's at the Giants. It's at the Giants. Yeah, so you have the okay. seven and two Lions or Giants against or hosting the three and six uh, Detroit Lions, but the Giants are only a three point favorite, and it's actually moved around from three to two and a half. Um, so that tells you who Vegas actually thinks is the better team. Right. You get that three points for the home field advantage. I mean, that's um, something's up here. And, and I, I wanted to dig into it a little bit. The Giants have wins by one point, three points, eight points, five points, four points, six points, and an eight, another eight-point game. What is that, seven? All seven of their wins, one-score games. And I think that's what Vegas is looking at here. And Lions are competitive. They're not going to roll over. So – I expect a really close game, and whoever takes care of the football um, will really uh, get this game. And another thing that I wanted to point out, their best wins are Titans Week 1, Ravens, and their losses are to the Cowboys and Seahawks. So you got some similar opponents that the Lions have have lost to as well. Um, The Giants' wins opponent's record is 26-40-1. Their losses, their two, are 12-7. and seven. So when they're playing a good football team, they lose. When they're playing a bad football team, they win. And you look at the Lions' opponent record, 40-16 and 16 overall. Lions, like, I, I, we walked into this season being like, they have a really easy schedule. This is why they can make some noise. They currently have, I think, the hardest schedule based on, like, other teams' records that, we, that we've already played. So, um I think the Lions are tested. I think they're going to be be ready to fight in this game. Um, I'm excited to watch it. Um, I'm not in that sell mode yet. I'm not going to do that. I, and I think the the Rams, how bad they're doing, is allowing me to stay on board with winning for the Lions a little bit because I, I would be having that um, that you know that problem. Like, which which do I really want? Like, do I want to continue to win? Do I want to have a seven win season or do I want to just lose it all and, and move on? I'm still in that mode where it's like, I want to see progression. 
I want to see them win. I don't care about the draft pick yet. I know I will probably get there because that's just how I am. And I I, I looked at the the schedule and, and how it all works and who they have to beat. I don't think playoffs are possible. I, I know some people were sending me some text messages of like, all right, if you win this game, this game, this game, the probability is to make 100% of the playoffs in a wild card. I personally did it like myself, and I'm, I think they use like some kind of format. I don't see it, mainly because of who they're trying to catch, and that's the 49ers, I think, currently is, is in that number two spot. I know way too early to talk wild card and all that kind of stuff, but um, it's just kind of something that's on my mind because I, I am fighting that that with myself of win or lose, what, what it was more important. And, and right now I, I still think it's win. Absolutely. Uh, I think in the NFL anyone's a good win. Um We've seen that the NFL is awfully unpredictable right now with the Eagles losing last night to the Commanders, um, other teams losing to bad bottom feeder teams too early in the season. Mm-hmm. You can't help but think about the close games that they had early on. Yeah. Games where we had a lead and didn't contain the lead, didn't hold the lead. Yep. Um, we got a couple little comeback late uh victories uh late game victories i guess uh where bounces finally went her way um and stepped up and make big plays it's unfortunate like you said what i don't want to get back to jared goff but some of the turnovers were at untimely mm-hmm. you know times in the game where you just completely lost momentum three and out three and out interception you know it's uh it it makes you think like oh where we should be right now where we could be mm-hmm. um and we're really not that far out of it and I, I'm with you. I'd rather see them pursue wins than yeah. try to tank at this moment. I remember saying early on in this year, like when, when we were losing those those couple games and they were close and all that, I was like, this is the one that's going to bite us in the butt. This is the one that's going to be like, why? why this is why we're going to miss the playoffs. This is why we're going to be out of contention of the playoffs two weeks before the end of the season. You know what I mean? Like, I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs, even if they go on this crazy win streak, which I I know is pretty much impossible. But it's still going to be those one or two games that you've already mentioned, you know, the Vikings game. Um, I think the Seattle game is it can kind of fall in line with that as well, where it's like there was a path to victory there, and that's why we're not going to win. That's why we're not truly a contender for the playoffs, and it's going to hurt. And I remember being like, this is the this is I I want it to hurt and I said that going into the season I, I'm ready for it to hurt and eh, I'm still don't like it. <laughs> well, we're just closer than we've been in a long time, right? Um, yeah. But if you would have told me preseason that through our first three divisional games we'd have two wins in those three games, I would take the over that Detroit was in playoff contention at that moment. That's a really good point. Um, to lose a couple of those non-conference games and games that were close. Uh, yeah. Games that kind of got out of hand at the same time. Yep. Um, when we could have held on to it. It's it, it's a tough spot to be. Yeah. It is, and it's year after year. I know everybody says it's same old lines, same old lines. They're going to win games that they're shouldn't, they shouldn't win at the end of the season. I'd rather get it out of the way now. Yeah. Get if we're gonna wins. yeah, if we're gonna settle for a mid first round pick, I'm cool with that. Um, I I still don't know that we have to be in a top three and go after a quarterback. I think we're gonna see a couple big quarterback classes next year and the year after. Yeah, uh, if guys uh, get out of there a little bit early and that, I 
I still think we're we're in learning learning stage, and yeah. I'm all for learning. I'm all for learning that we don't have to take a quarterback. I'm all for learning that we know that we don't need to take a uh, cornerback one because we have a Cuda. I'm I'm all for learning that. Hey, when Swift's health Swift is healthy, he's still really good. We don't have to take a quarter a running back early. We don't need to take a uh, offensive lineman early. We don't need to force a quarterback like. I want to know all of these things. And the next one for me is I want to know that Jameson Williams is the real deal. Because if you compare Jameson Williams with Amon Ross St. Brown, you don't have to take a wide receiver. Now, if Jameson Williams sucks, you have to start looking at that. You have to start being prepared to take a wide receiver early. I'm, that's how I like to look at what I'm learning. Is it, It's check boxes of what we do not have to take. And I'm just, I feel like we're learning that we don't have to take these things. And that's exciting. We don't have to take an edge guy. Yeah, if Will Anderson is there and it works out, that yeah, you don't you don't pass up on him. But you don't have to force it either. You don't have to take the third best guy in the draft because that's the position you need most. Because I think that's what really screwed the Lions over in all of the previous rebuilds. And kind of going down a, a different rabbit hole of, of what's important with with this regime and stuff but like we need to fully trust this regime we need brad holmes and dan campbell to feel like their job is safe that's very important because as soon as they don't feel like it's safe that's when they're going to make a pick to think about the in the right now instead of the build that they're still working towards that's what really killed bob quinn he made a couple really good picks early on and i mean he made some good picks later on too but it's like he was making picks for the the missing piece not necessarily hey this is the guy that's the most talented let's take him and we'll we'll make it work you know what i mean he was making he was he was um i guess rushing the 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 build because he felt like he was, his seat was getting too hot. And as long as we can keep that from happening, that's the most important thing. Because you need this regime to focus on their big picture and building and not just, all right, we got to make something happen now. All right, it's time. This is our year. we got to do it now. And what we were seeing early on in this year is that ball starting to roll, at least with Dan Campbell. Like, all right, we're picturing moving on from now, or from him now. We need wins to make sure that he doesn't feel that heat. We need those wins to make sure we don't feel like we need to push them out the door or at least have both sides talk and like and have a legitimate argument. So um, I, I like the winning. I want to concede. I want to see it continue. I think if you can split the one of the uh, of the next two games, obviously you got the, the Giants and then the Bills. Bills is going to be a very tough game. But if you split those two games, I think you can continue to build it and you start doing the look ahead. We'll we'll get into that as we go. But don't drop these two. Make sure what we're what we're doing right now. Um, has some legs and it continues. So um, that's kind of where where we're at with it. But um, I did want to talk some some NFL football while, while we're on it. And uh, really, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some music. Can I do just maybe some quiet music here? Yeah, give it maybe a little louder. I don't know how loud it is, but it just makes me feel a little better. I did want to talk some NFL football. Just kind of the we're we're a little over the the halfway point. So. Um, we just wanted to kind of discuss, you know, some some teams that we that, that are better than what we thought, if if that makes sense. Um, I don't know if there's a, a certain team that stands out to you. I, I, I can start unless you want. Are you ready yeah, to go? I just I circled uh, five teams right. um, for better. Um, I'll get into a little more narrow list as we get down some of these questions. Uh, real quick, Dolphins. Um, Obviously, they brought in Tyreek Hill, but I didn't know what that was going to do with him signing a big contract. Tua 
there were still talks about and the whole organization was under some backfire too between the ownership and the Tom Brady and the Sean Payton conversations that were going on maybe behind closed doors Giants obvious uh, probably my number one team that's better than I thought yeah um, Seahawks all right they're up there the Vikings are up there uh, I'm also gonna throw the Falcons in there they've been playing like a weird kind of obviously a weird division but they've come up with like weird games and tight games yeah. and they've been in every game but that's probably where I'm looking but probably the Giants is my number one Seattle real close at number two yeah the reason why I don't think it's the Giants is because I think they're kind of fraudulent yet oh um, yeah I want to see it um, against some really good teams and I want them to beat a really good team to really believe it like yeah beating the Titans week one is one thing but I don't know I want to see it a little bit more from them I hope, not this week I want to see them be a fraud this week. The one that really stands out is the Dolphins. I think, like for the reasons you already said, um, the Tyree kill was was intriguing. But you wondered about that Tua. How was that going to work? And it he looks legit. So they're seven and three overall. But I think they're like six and one when he doesn't get killed on the field. Right. right yeah. So like two yeah. losses, he died on the field at, at some point. So um, that team is is really interesting to me. Um, I don't think they're necessarily Super Bowl contenders. Like, I don't put them in the Chiefs-Bills conversation, even though they're technically ahead of the Bills in, in the standings. Um, but, man, they're they're interesting. And Seattle's very interesting to me, too. Um, I, don't, I don't buy it yet. I don't know why I won't buy it. It's probably because I just don't like them. I can't stand Pete Carroll. Um, but they are obviously better than anybody thought they would be. Yeah. Um, so... I, the most the most surprising one for me is is the Dolphins though. Like I just I didn't think it was gonna work, um, and it, it clearly has. Um, and then what about on the other side? Most surprisingly bad, and it doesn't have to be record. Just like man, like they're not good anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I guess the obvious is the Rams. Yeah, uh, Super Bowl champs. It's always tough to repeat, but to go from first to worst is uh, about as bad as it gets in that category. One that I pick looking at the season right now from maybe two or three weeks in, the Jaguars. They were looking kind of good at the start of the season. I thought Trevor Lawrence was going to step up and have a little bit better year. Um, I think they've had a pretty tough schedule as well. And did I have one more? Oh, yeah. Um, the AFC West outside of Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Yeah, the Chargers, Broncos, uh, and Raiders. Yeah, all those teams are having some par, subpar years, and I, I thought that was going to be the toughest conference in football. It's clearly not. Um, Chargers had some injuries. Obviously, uh, Russell Wilson struggling with a new uh, new stadium, new atmosphere, new what, – what's that, elevation, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. in Denver, mile high. And uh, the Raiders. You yeah, know, that one's really Devontae weird. Devontae Adams, you got a couple other, you know, Darren Waller. You got some weapons out there. You got a good run game. Der Derek Carr? Yeah, Derek, Derek Carr. Carr. Yeah. They're just really surprising because they were playoff team last year. And with, yeah. with the interim coach and all of the stuff that they went through, it was like, all right, they're going to get some stability with Josh McDaniels. Man, that's just a dumpster fire. That does not look good right now. Looks like the number one job in football, right, next <laughs> yeah, year? Yeah, seriously. Um, but, yeah, that's what I got. Um, another one for me is is, is the Packers. Um, it's not just because they're they're four four and six, and I think they can turn things around. I'm just like hoping they don't. But when like they've looked bad, bad in the games that they've looked bad. Yeah, they had a nice win against the the Cowboys. The Cowboys kind of I, I still don't understand McCarthy and how he his brain works. I think he kind of gave that game away to an extent. But um, I'm curious. I'm I'm more or less curious if. 
that was the, the one that changes it for them. You know what I mean? They're going to start putting some wins together. Um, that's very intriguing to me. Um, surprised how bad it's been for them early on. I think the 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 other one that really stands out for me is 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 the Panthers. I, I thought they were going to be better. I thought the Baker Mayfield experiment was going to work. It's like bringing them in and stuff. Obviously, they moved on from McCaffrey. Um, what was the wide receiver that they? Yeah, Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson. They moved yep. on from him. So um, it's going to fall. The bottom's going to fall out completely here soon. Um, but the talent that they had and the the um, talent on defense too that I think they have it was it was surprising that it didn't work so quickly. Um, I'm I know they're going back to Baker Mayfield. I'm curious to what that's going to do. I'm wondering if he was actually still hurt and they just didn't really talk about it. Um, but especially in that division too, you got Atlanta that you know Mariota and Ritter, uh, who's the worst of the two. Yeah. You know that's your uh, concern going on the weekend. The New Orleans Saints down year. Um, Tampa Bay taking a step back. Like I, I also thought, I kind of thought Carolina was going to be a yeah, wild one. card team, like yeah. sitting there um, competing for the wild card. But clearly, it doesn't look like it's going that way. Yep. Uh, most overrated team. So like top of the standings that you think still has no shot of winning. I kind of already said mine with with the Dolphins. Like they're seven and three, but I just I don't put them in that tier. I, I don't think they can do it, and that's probably might be a little unfair. Is there someone else that stands out to you in that? Uh, I went with the Baltimore Ravens. They've had okay. a double-digit lead in eight of nine games this year wow. and have lost three of those eight games. You can't have that in the playoffs. I think the Bengals are better than their record showing. The AFC is pretty deep, and I like Lamar Jackson. I like what he does. If they can all get healthy and get his tight end back and get you know wide receivers back on the field for him, then I might not take this pick but as of right now as of right now halfway through the season i think they're the most overrated uh number one team in their own division all right underrated team that has a bad record but still has a legitimate shot at a playoff run am i safe to say it's going to be your Bengals? i mean they're they're five and four but you think they're the best team in that division yeah i and i didn't i didn't i didn't pick the Bengals on this one Um, who'd you pick i drew a line between two teams but I think the Indianapolis Colts are going to be better. This Jeff Saturday thing, let's see how it plays out. Um, But ahead of them, the Washington Commanders. Yeah. They got a good wide receiving core, a good running back depth. I don't know that Taylor Heineke is a guy that's going to lead a team to the playoffs. And and when I picked these two teams, Sam, I didn't read the second part of your question. Okay. I saw underrated team, and I wanted to pick the commanders because they were in last place in their division. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. And I, it's not that I think that they can jump and win this division because I think the Eagles are that far ahead of everybody. Yeah, yep. But to jump the Cowboys and Giants, I could see that as a, as a very big possibility. Maybe contend for a wild card. Right, with the Eagles being 8-1. and one, and the Commanders being in last place in that division, I think they're the best last place team with a dominant team in their own division. Mm-hmm. All right. And then who are your top three teams? Like who you think is going to finish? Who, who do you think are the best three teams? Without throwing the records out the window, just yeah, who no, you've seen so far. no records. And this is a no order. Actually, let me just put it in alphabetical order. Uh, I got the Bills, Chiefs, and I got the Eagles. Um, yeah. I like the Bills. I know Josh Allen has had some questionable plays in the last few uh, weeks, and you got to close out games like that against Minnesota. Um, I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes and what he's able to do week in and week out. If he's got Kelsey the rest of the season, look out for that offense. 
And I, the Eagles, I know they lost. And I know I just picked the Commanders. But I still feel like collectively, both sides of the ball, they probably have the best roster right now in the NFC. Yeah, I think they're the only three teams that you'd be like, that if, you, like if, you're, if you're like in a confidence pool type thing and, and you're making just straight up picks every single week, you don't pick those teams to lose unless they're obviously going against each other. I think those are the three that really stand out. Outside of that, you could honestly see anybody beat anybody. Right. Day in and day out. And obviously, I mean, the Bills have lost three. You get that. Obviously, the Eagles just lost to the Commanders, and the Chiefs have already lost two. But it's like heading into a game, they're going to win. They know it. You know it. You know, heading into it, everybody knows it. That's just kind of where it is. Those are the only three teams that I think you can say that for um, so far um, this year. What about your bottom three teams that just – Guaranteed loss. I, I think Texans, right, is, is kind of the one that's th- they're really really bad. Yeah, the Texans. Um, I also got the Steelers. Yeah, those are okay. those are the two that really stood out to me. And like the third one, I I honestly didn't know where to go because, yeah, I would say the Rams. I hope it's the Rams, but I don't think they're bad enough to really do that yet. Especially if um, Stafford gets healthy. Um, the Jags obviously have shown to beat anybody. Like I don't have a third team, honestly. I'm gonna go with the Saints. Saints, yeah. That's I'm going to go with the Saints. When you have Andy Dalton as your quarterback, I, I think that's probably the, the the safe one, right? Yeah, Andy and, I mean, Jameis Winston. Flip the coin. Which one yeah. do you want? Well, um, Jameis hasn't played in a while, has he? Yeah, Michael Thomas is out for the season, and that's looking pretty ugly. And I had him in fantasy football. I'm kind of yeah. bummed. He had a good little start there uh, before his toe gave out. But I just think they're in a bad place. Yeah. Alvin Kamara, I think he's still like sitting with some stuff in a cloud above his head from bit, Pro yeah. Bowl, right? Yeah. yeah, some legal stuff. And I don't know what direction they go. I feel like their defensive players that are good are old. Um, so I don't know that that's going to sustain. I think they got a lot of draft picks coming up. But, yeah, I, I got to throw the Saints in there with yeah, yeah. with the Steelers. And, and, and I would put the Raiders pretty close to that, but I think the Raiders are too talented to, to fall in that line, yeah, which is I, where I went. Right, why I would go with the Saints instead of the, the Raiders. Yep, looking at that, yeah, looking at their you know their roster and uh, the division that they're playing in, um, yeah, I, I can't think of another team that really fits in that tier. Other teams have shown maybe the Browns, but – Again, no Deshaun Watson yet, so who knows what they're going to do. But Sweet. Well, I think that kind of wraps up our NFL chatter. Let's get into some college football. From the Red Wings to Michigan State, we're talking about it. This is State of My Sports. The Spartans got back to 500, uh, not sitting at 5-5 five and five with their 27-21 win against the now 4-6 Rutgers Scarlet Knights. MSU never trailed and scored a touchdown in the first three quarters of the game and kicked two field goals in the fourth. After a late Rutgers touchdown with 47 seconds left to make it a one-score game, MSU recovered the onside kick to seal the big win to put themselves one win away from becoming bowl eligible. I mean, real, real quick here, I, I, I want to go through some of the numbers, but Nobody really cares about the game. Nobody cares. I would be shocked if even Spartan fans actually sat and watched this game. I really would because that's just kind of the way the Spartan fans kind of treat their teams. But it's worth talking about a little bit here. Uh, Peyton Thorne went 19 of 35 for 256 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Berger, second uh, nice game. Uh, he had 16 rushes for 85 yards and a touchdown. That's eight point or sorry, 5.3 average. And Broussard had 11 carries for 80 yards. So the tandem was really... Um, pretty good there um, for those two, which is um, a key 
to that to their to their team. Um, Jaden Reed four catches for 90 yards, a touchdown. Um, Barker four catches, 64 and a touchdown. Uh, Keon Coleman four catches for 26 yards. Total yards. It, it was actually surprising to see Rutgers out gain um, Michigan State with 460 to 453. Um, passing yards pretty close. Rushing yards uh, 224 for Rutgers to MSU's 197. Uh, 25-25 in first downs, 8 of 16, third down efficiency for the Rutgers where you know Michigan State was 4 of 11, which I think was the key of, of this game, um, staying close and, and Rutgers kind of putting, uh, you know, putting a little bit more pressure. I don't, it, it wasn't, it's not like the it's not like Rutgers had the ball to tie or, or win or anything like that. So I don't, I don't consider those close games. But when you have the onside kick opportunity, I guess you kind of have to. Uh, it was just it was a cleaner game for for Michigan State when it came to the penalties. That was another key part. Um, Fourteen penalties for 108 yards um, for Rutgers and six penalties for 50 yards for MSU, which was a nice change because they've been known to you know not be very disciplined and in, in causing um, some issues, um, shooting themselves in the foot, if you will. Um, look, you're, you're never going to get too excited to beat Rutgers. You just don't. I'm sorry. This is, this game doesn't change my opinion on MSU um, and it doesn't really you know change the the trajectory of this season um, but in this moment the way this season has gone it's a feel-good win and a very important win because I mean, last week was obviously the big one against Illinois upsetting them the way that they did um, that was the the big one and you felt like they might have had a letdown with some of the injuries obviously the eight guys still out for the suspensions um, but they they just they kept going. It wasn't the style points. It, it, it's just, just win, you know, just win, baby. I say that all the time and that's what they're doing. And that's when their backs were against the wall here again. And in, in these, these last couple of games, it's like they showed up for each other, for their coach. And all joking aside about Mel Tucker, what I've seen the last couple of weeks, I, I really thought that game against Michigan was going to be the, the blow that this team couldn't survive from. You know what I mean? And they did. They answered the bell. They've got up off the mat and really refocused on what's important, and that's getting that bowl game. You know? So, I don't know. What Did you have any thoughts on, on, on MSU? Just not necessarily this game, but just as a whole, like how important this win was and just really stacking it on top of last week's win, I think is the, the key here. They're playing with some pride and some passion, and they didn't bring any of that to Ann Arbor with them, um, except for maybe in the tunnel. Um, <laughs> again, they're <coughs> playing a little better on, on the field. <sighs> we don't have to talk about anything off the field. Yeah. Um, you have to beat Rutgers. You do. I think uh, this a loss against Rutgers would be the low of the low. And that might put a little more question in the minds of maybe the fan base or the alumni or the, you know, the uh, sports program staff. Um, I think Mel Tucker will be fine in the long run. Uh, we'll see how he does recruiting and then also using the transfer portal. Yep. Um, but, yeah, this is a must a must win in my opinion. And I think it's to salvage the season. Are they still on pace to win a, or play in a bowl game? If they beat Indiana, they will play in a bowl game. Or okay. if they win one of the next two, they, will, the next they, two. Will, they will be bowl eligible. Okay. And really it's not necessarily about becoming bowl eligible and you hang your hat on that. It's necessarily like looking at what this season was traject- projecting towards, and that was it, it was a legitimate shot as a three-win year. And they didn't allow 
the bottom become that drastic? You know, yep. like we always head into the season, like what's the ceiling? What's the floor? I think our floor was right around six wins. Maybe it was seven. I'm trying to remember where we all landed. We we can look that up. Like as the, once the season's said and done, we'll, we'll kind of revisit what we said pre um, preseason. But it's like they were had a legitimate shot of only three wins. Yeah. It was looking like that's where this, this season was going, and they fixed it. You know what I mean? Does that mean that they're going to be successful in this Big Ten? No, it doesn't. But what it means is this team is is talent wise is not even a six win team, in my opinion. They've you know, the, the the upsets for Illinois and, and really Wisconsin was, was another big one that I'm not sure was an upset, but they, they answered the bell and, and, and showed up um, when, when they probably shouldn't have. And those are the two games that are really the biggest difference. Those are good wins, no matter who you are um, in, in this type of year, in this climate. So um, that's where I'm, I'm necessarily looking at it is it's you, you tell me heading into the season that they were going to get six wins. I'm saying <laughs> sign me up. You know what I mean? As a Michigan fan, I'm like, yeah, let's let's do six wins and see how that goes. But it was like I started looking at that as this could be a three-win team, a four-win team. That's when you start looking at, all right, six wins, good job. You know what I mean? It just you've, you've changed the the trajectory of where this was going, and you picked yourself up when, when everything was against you. So – I think there's a lot to say about that. Yeah, in a way, it's uh, you can look at it as a successful season because it wasn't looking like that. Mm-hmm. There were signs of uh, things going the opposite direction, like you said. And, you know, if they can close out one out of two, one out of their next two, Indiana and who else? Penn, Penn State? State. Yeah. Yeah. So That'll be a tough one. It will be. So currently, like uh, Richard Johnson of, of SI.com, he projects them to be in the Gator Bowl, which is in Jacksonville, um, playing the SEC Arkansas Razorbacks, which I think that'd be a pretty fun matchup. Um, I think Arkansas would absolutely wipe the floor with this Michigan State team. Um, but then you got Scott Docterman, uh, Doctor, yeah, I said that right, um, of the Athletic. He has them projected to play in the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit against a MAC team, Buffalo, is what he currently has. Um, now I, I looked at that and I'm like, what would you prefer as a Spartan fan? Like, if you were a Spartan fan, which one would you rather? Would you, would you rather have? Go down to Florida and get lost in the the shuffle, if you will, and not nobody really know that who played in that game. Or would you rather play in your home state, create that type of momentum in a state that you, you know, need to recruit in? Like you need to find some really big recruits in the state of Michigan. Like are they high end? Not always, but it's important. And Spartan does the the Spartans in general do a good job recruiting in the state of Michigan. I look at it as that. It's like no, use that. Go go get some extra exposure in your state. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got uh, Big Ten number eight. Is that where they would would fall in the Big Ten yeah. rankings? Is, uh, and, and that's how they match up that bowl game? That's my guess, yeah. Because if they're the eighth-ranked Big Ten team playing Arkansas, who maybe is the eighth-ranked uh, SEC, SEC, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I have a look at those, at those yeah. standings. They don't stand a chance in that game, especially down in Florida. Yeah. I'm with you. Play against uh, Buffalo. You better smack them. You better beat them. That's the downside of, of playing that game. You and got a MAC team yeah. that wants to prove themselves against the Big Ten. That's December twenty sixth. Serves me right. Day after Christmas. Yeah. Like I would. I guess I'd rather get the bowl game out of the way a little bit earlier. If I'm Michigan State, the program, the fan base, and boy, I don't know. I feel like Arkansas is leaps leaps and bounds uh, above Michigan State. I wouldn't want to deal with that again. Yep, I agree. If it's craft beer in Michigan sports, we may not be the authority, 
but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. Hot, hot! This is State of My Sports. Michigan stays unbeaten with their 34-3 win against the Nebraska Corn Huskers. Uh, Michigan, Whoa. What's up? You said Michigan State. Did I say Michigan State? Oh, Michigan stays unbeaten. Oh, stays. I was about no. to say, Sam, don't go down this one. <laughs> nope, not doing that. Um, against Nebraska, uh, Michigan took a 14-0 lead with a Quorum touchdown and along with a Ronnie Bell and exchanged field goals in the second quarter to take a 17-3 lead into halftime. Uh, they shut out Nebraska 17 to nothing in the second half to win 34-3. J.J. McCarthy, 8 for 17 for 129 yards and two touchdowns. Blake Corum, 28 carries, 162 yards, a touchdown. Um, and then Donovan Edwards, only two carries for 13 yards. That was very interesting to me. They made the comment that he might be fighting an injury. I don't know where that came from. I don't know. I didn't hear about that heading into the game. Um, I don't remember seeing him limp off. So um, news to me, but he's really important for this team. Ronnie Bell, four catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he also had that other one that I think did. Who ended up getting credit for that second that touchdown? Was it Anthony? I thought it was too, but yeah, I think it must have been Andrew uh, Anthony. You're probably right. So that one that he ran around the side or and then fumbled heading and that could have been disastrous. Man. Oh, I mean, he almost stepped out of bounds like four times on that on that run too. Like yeah. got pushed out of bounds, his heels almost crossed the line, then he turned it upfield and yeah, you hate to see the you hate to see the play end like that because that's a bounce that doesn't always go your way. It either yep. gets out of the end zone or defensive you know safety is around to to scoop that one up. Um, but luckily, it landed in the right, right hands. hands and, yeah, and uh, it was. It's I, also just good to see Ronnie Bell make a play like that. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, just in general, so Michigan dominated the game: four hundred twelve total yards to one hundred forty-six passing yards, one forty-eight to seventy-one rushing yards, two sixty-four to seventy-five yards per play, six to three. First downs, twenty-seven to eight. Third down efficiency. Uh, Michigan was four of ten to uh, Nebraska's 5 of 15. Michigan, 2 of 2 on 4th down. I think they're still perfect on 4th down, right? I think they were heading into the game. I think they still I think I want to say they're like 13 for 13 on 4th down this year. Crazy stat right there. Like, that's just unbelievable. Um, and then only one penalty for 15 yards. Uh, time of possession, 35-32 to 24 and 20, to t- 24 minutes and 28 seconds. So dominated this football game. Again, I, th- I think it's time to move on from this. I, I I don't think it's worth talking about this specific game. It's just Nebraska, a really really bad Nebraska team with uh, interim head coach, I believe, still. So like, I'm not I'm not going to get all you know six to midnight about about this type of game. But what I really want to talk about is is what Michigan has done. So Michigan now ranks first nationally in scoring defense with 11.2 points per game. Total defense 232.8 yards per game. Rushing defense 72.7 yards per game. And they're fourth in the country and first in the Big 10 in passing defense for 160 um 0.1 yards per game. Unbelievable what this defense is doing. Um, this was the the question mark heading into the year was how how can they reload? They lost three first round talents on on the defensive side of the ball, and that's exactly what they did. They have completely reloaded, and really this is year two of the scheme, even though it is a new defensive coordinator, and they are looking like they're looking so comfortable in it. Um, they are responsible, 
and and the, they're starting to get a couple game breakers in there. Um, I want to see it a little bit more, but I mean, you don't have to either. If you are good on all layers of your defense, you don't have to be a game breaker. Just do your job. And that's what I really like about this defense is they do their job and let the plays come to them. And this defense is just the, the numbers speak for themselves. Okay, obviously, all joking aside with the, the schedule and stuff, I know it's not a good schedule. I get that. They haven't played anybody really outside of Penn State. I, I get all of those things. Um, but when you are doing it back-to-back years like they did last year into this year, that's where you get excited. You know what I mean? Um, so just the defense in general, just absolutely exciting. They're the reason why, along with our running game, that I think they can beat anybody. I really do. Will they? I'm not ready to say that yet, but they have the ability to. So um, just really, really exciting. An exciting team. Another stat that really stood out to me, I know this is a popular one, um, or actually this one isn't, but Michigan has scored in eight of their nine opening drives for every single game. Everybody says, oh, they start out slow. Yeah, when you look at the halftime score, it's like, yeah, it could be a, a bigger blowout. But when you're scoring in eight of your nine opening drives, that is a hot start, in my opinion. The one that they didn't score was in the MSU game when they fumbled inside, I think, the 30. <laughs> they were getting ready. That They were at least kicking a field goal. I think it was a first down play. Um, and I think it was a fumble. I forget who it was by. It doesn't matter. But that was the only game that they didn't score in the, the opening drive. If that is so, so important in these... Look, Illinois is going to be uh, potentially a tough game. You got to do it against Illinois. You cannot fall behind. You got to do that against Ohio State. You have to score. Whether you're answering their sco- first score or you're taking the early lead, so important. Getting into playoffs, bowl games, all that stuff, that's super important, and I love to see it. And I, I don't know. I think that's a sign of... Of a good offense, balanced offense. So yeah, very balanced. An offense that knows what they want to do. Yeah, so. yeah. When you're running the ball as well as they have all season, um, it's hard not to look at time of possession at the bottom of that stat line. Um, and maybe that's where <clears throat> we don't have an opportunity to really figure out what we have in total on defense because they're not on the field very often. That's a great point. Uh, we're holding on to the ball. We're making long drives and again burning clock. And um, yeah, I it's. It's hard to say that they're collectively as a team better than last year because of the defense yeah, but that are. we had last year. But they, they are. are better mm-hmm. overall. And Jake Moody's making field goals. Uh, it's good to have kind of every base covered. And, uh, we'll see, again, we'll see what happens uh, when they face off with Ohio State here in a couple yep. weeks. Uh, let's see if we can slow them down just enough and also still lean on our run game give J.J. an opportunity to make some plays downfield, and if we can keep their wide receivers somewhat in check, I think that's a game that we should have no problem going down to Columbus and walking away with a win. Yep, another inc- incredible stat with, with this team. Over the last six games, they have outscored their opponent 138-10 to 10 in the second half. In the last six games. This is the Big Ten. This is the Big Ten schedule. The last six games, they have outscored their opponent 138-10. to 10. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. And their only points were three to Penn State and seven to Indiana. And, and nobody scored in the second half since Penn State. That's less than two points a game. That's insane. Yeah. It, it's an incredible number. And, and that's 
a sign of good coaching. That's a sign of a physical team that's just wearing down their opponent. And look, they did that last year against Ohio State. That's how they beat Ohio State was they wore them down. They beat them up. That's what this team continues to do. Is it flashy? Is it exciting? No. But it's how you win football games. This is how you go into Columbus and win a football game is you do this. I'm, I don't want to say confident because I still got to get through this week and then we'll really talk about the Michigan-Ohio State game. But, look, I'm not going to guarantee a win, but obviously that's just silly to do. But it's very well possible. It is. You, you, you go back a few weeks, like they had the look-ahead spread, and I think OSU opened as like a 14-point favorite. And then it went down to like 11. Then it went down to 10. I want to say it's right around like 8 right now. And I'm curious by that that game that when that kickoff starts, I bet you it'll be inside a touch, uh, inside six points, six or, or inside seven points. I just say six or less. I really think it's going to move. I think there's going to be a lot of money on Michigan because the way that they play travels, the way that they play is a huge disadvantage for the way Ohio State plays. Now, can Ohio State come out and expose Michigan? Yeah, that's a very well possibility. We've seen it before against top-tier Michigan defenses. But this, what we saw last year, I think, is what Harbaugh's always wanted, and he's finally got it, and he's continuing to reload it. So, um, Last thing I want to talk about with, with Michigan was Blake Corum. 162 more yards and another touchdown. Do you think he's a Heisman candidate? I, I personally, I do. Yeah. I do. Um, I think he's more of a Heisman candidate, in all honesty, right now than Aiden Hutchinson was last year at the end of the season. I and that's after that Aiden had a, had a big game against Ohio State. Yep. He still showed up. Um, uh, look, Michigan's offense would be nothing right now without Blake Corum. And I'm not saying that Donovan Edwards isn't good enough to fill that void. He He's shown signs that he is. Um, he's been a great complimentary number two. But you look at numbers from recent running backs or, well, the latest running backs to win the Heisman. It's been a kind of a quarterback-dominated trophy uh, most most recent years, right? Yep. But you, you match them up with what Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram and these guys did, and how, how can you not vote for them? And if there's a year where... Maybe there isn't a clear-cut favorite quarterback. If if C.J. Stroud is the number one quarterback in college football, I don't know that that translates to what Blake Corum is amongst running backs in college football. I would football. agree with that. I would agree completely. And, and the fact that they go head-to-head, I think, is a, is a huge – I think whoever wins that game will be the front-runner. I don't know if Corum will ever be the front-runner, to be honest with you, because I do look at it as a, as a quarterback um, uh, trophy in – whether you agree with that or not, I think that's just the nature of, of what it's become. Um, you got C.J. Stroud. He's leading the way at plus 128. You got Hendon Hooker at plus 368. Drake May for North Carolina, plus 537. And then you got Blake Corum, fourth in the in the odds at least, um, at sitting at plus 550. Look, I, I don't think he's done enough to win this necessarily. I, I think the comparison that you made with, with the Derrick Henry and, and Mark Ingram um, stats uh, are are interesting. Um, currently, um, as we said, Corum would project to be, you know, a few hundred, well, six six hundred less yards rushing yards than than Derrick Henry, uh, seven less touchdowns, and then 
pretty much. I mean, he kind of matches up pretty well with with, with the Mark Ingram stats, uh, pretty close to that, um, which is a good comparison. But then you look at like who Derrick Henry beat out. He beat out Chris or yeah, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Watson, and Baker Mayfield. Where Ingram beat out Toby Gerhart, McCoy, and Sue. Where I think. I think C.J. Stroud and Hendon Hooker and Drake May are way better than what Toby Gerhardt, McCoy, and Sue were to their teams. You know what I mean? Sue, what Sue did was it was unreal. I think he should have been probably ranked a little higher um, because he was such a game breaker um, in in college. But I think you're seeing higher end guys here. But I am curious with how the really the odds will change once that Michigan-Ohio State game happens because if they both put up big numbers, the, you could see those two kind of like fighting for it out like out of the two. Um, but you would need a uh, uh, five-touchdown game like we saw last year with Hassan Haskins, you know what I mean, for, for Blake Corum, um, which I'm not sure they're going to necessarily do it that way. So shutting down CJ Stroud is obviously the biggest thing. But if he, if he gets shut down against Michigan, I think he should – fall out of contention. I really do. And that's when you look at Hendon Hooker to, to jump in because he's not he's just gonna continue to pile up incredible numbers here. So um just pretty interesting to see how, how it's going. Currently he's uh at one thousand one hundred and eighty seven rushing yards, which is second in the country, sixteen touchdowns, which is first, fifty six missed tackles, um force, which is at fifth, and then six hundred and seventy yards after contact, which is uh fourth in the country. He's just what he's doing is, is really impressive. I, I I love what he's doing. And like I'm not even sure he's the best running back on the team. That's the crazy thing about it. And the funny thing is, is I said that last year when was it Haskins? Haskins was doing what he was doing. I was like, he might he, he might be the third best running back on the team. And this is another thing that I, you you need to see them start doing is it's the revolving door. You need to reload. You need to continue to do it. You got to have these backups that are just as good, just waiting for their time. You got to have that to continue to be successful. Which Michigan wants to do? Yeah, it's great that they made the, the playoff. They won the Big Ten, and they're right in contention again this year. That's back-to-back years that they're really back to where they want to be. It's got to – you can't have the fall-off. That's really the biggest thing is not allowing that fall-off because what are we seeing with Alabama the first time in how many years that they've fallen off, you know? Like, that's what we want Michigan to be. We want this game to matter between Michigan and Ohio State each and every year to tell you who's going to playoff, who's winning the Big Ten um, type thing. So Yeah, I – and like with Alabama, historically, you know, especially during their uh, recent dominance, um, the Nick Saban era, they've always had uh, another running back ready to go. Yeah. Right. If not two, they, you know, it was. I feel like the running backs always stuck around for two, three, sometimes four years, and and if it wasn't their lead running back, they had another guy that was still going to come back as a senior. Mm-hmm. Um. So. It's, those those years where they were winning national championships, it, it was mostly because they had dominant run games. Now, when they adjusted their offense and uh, you know brought in all these high power, fast weapons, you know they had stretches of that. But then you lose two wide receivers in the same draft real quick, then uh, it's tough to fill that void and to do that long term. Um, so I'm I'm a fan of what Michigan's doing, leaning on Blake Corum. Again, I think he's making way more um positive yeah I, I mean plays on his own than some of these uh quarterbacks are with their wide receivers and some of these wide receivers are without their quarterbacks 
Um, I, I think he's deserving of a trip. I also thought Kenneth Walker was last year. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's again, where I have issues with the Heisman, uh, the trophy. And you, you can't throw these, you can't throw these freshmen in there. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm old school with that. Um, I get if you're the best player, uh, leave some bounds. You know, you could be a, an automatic for, number one overall pick in the NFL draft. But, like, what Drake May's doing, right, as a redshirt freshman in North Carolina, he's got great numbers. But it's like, what do you think about the ACC? Yeah. Exactly. What do you think about the competition that they're playing? Now, Blake Corum's been nothing but consistent. Yeah. And he's, I don't know, I think I think he's the number one running back in college football, and I think he should be there. Yeah, I think I definitely think he should be there. I'm not sure I agree that he's the best running back, hands down. I think he's got a good complement to make his stats explode. But when he has these type of stats, he you you can't argue against it, I think is is kind of the way I look at it. Um but the thing that I don't like about the Heisman is the fact that you had what three quarterbacks there last year? Everybody knew Bryce Young was the best quarterback. There was no question about that. So why isn't Kenneth Walker there? You should allow Bryce Young to be there. If you want C.J. Stroud to be there, that, that's perfect. Or Kenny Pickett, whatever. Either one of those guys. You don't need all three of them there, period. So if you want to have Aiden Hutchinson there representing the defense, the I don't think he's the best defender in football. I think Will Anderson probably should have been there over him. But, like, Kenneth Walker deserved to be there. And that's one thing that I, I, I'm hearing a lot on on sports talk. It's like, well, if Kenneth Walker didn't get to go, then Coram shouldn't go. Right. Well, that's kind of stupid because you were arguing that Kenneth Walker should be there and what Coram's doing is just as good as what Kenneth Walker's doing. So it's either one or the other, you know what I mean? Um, but I don't I don't think we need to get into the Michigan-Michigan State side of it. It's just more or less I think Kenneth Walker should have been there and I think Coram should be there. Now, if he doesn't produce against Ohio State and they, they lose – my tune. My, I'll change my, my conversation. Absolutely. But I'm projecting to be like, okay, he's going to have a good game, and they're either going to have a close loss or they're going to win, and that's where I'm going to be like, he deserves to be there after that. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's basically where we're at. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. State of my sports. Do you want to talk college football, like a little bit of the playoffs, or should we just wait? Let's do that next week. Let's just do that next week. Yeah, do there's that. a lot that still has to play out, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's really not it, – it's it's chalk. Georgia's number one. Ohio State's number two. Michigan Michigan's three. number three. Yeah. TCU's four. The last and four undefeated teams, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we don't really need to get into that. Things will fall into place. Still got some time here, so no, no reason to worry too much about that. But we are going to do our betting hero picks. But before we get into those – if you want to support the podcast, go to bettinghero.com, put in promo code MIBETS. If you are if you want to bet on sports, that's kind of the key. You don't just go to it and sign up. You have to use their website to pick which platform you want to use. You sign up, you deposit money, you start betting, have a good old time. I'm actually on a nice little hot streak, which is fun. Um, but that's basically all you got to do. That's, uh, that's it. And we'll, we'll, well, that's how you support us, basically. So bettinghero.com, promo code MIBETS. Get into it. Get into it. That's all we got. But we're going to get into our picks of the week. I got to pull up Ryan's picks because I just got them to me. There we go. I got them. All right. Last week, Micah Ryan and Ryan went four and three. 
I wrote down four and four for me, but I think it was four and three as well. I'll, I'm gonna have to double check that. Uh, John, you went five and two. Kyle, three and four. So Mike is still leading the way, 47 and 33 overall. Ryan and I are tied at 42 and 38 overall. John, 45 and 35. So you're 10 games over 500. Actually, you're in second. Sorry. <laughs> what was I doing there? And then Kyle bringing up the rear at 39 and 41. We got some NFL picks to start back to Thursday Night Football. We got a decent Thursday Night matchup. So we're going to start with that one. Uh, we got the Titans at the Packers. The Packers, three and a half point favorite. Interesting. Against the Titans. Kyle's taking the Packers. Micah's taking the Titans. Ryan is taking the Packers. What are you going to do, John? Surprised Micah's taking the Titans. I was too. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna. I'm. I'm taking the Packers. Yeah. Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers has something to prove. I think they're gonna get the running game involved. Some of these rookie wide receivers have had some complimentary weeks for him as of late. Um, I just don't trust the Titans. And if they can slow down Derrick Henry, even if they let Derrick Henry run all over the field, I don't think. I, I still think Aaron Rodgers has the capabilities to put up more points. Tannehill's back. They beat the Packer or the Broncos 17-10 last week. No touchdown for Derrick Henry. He cost me 180 bucks in a parlay. I would have oh, won wow. 100. I, I hit six legs of a parlay, and he was my last one. And it was all I needed was a touchdown, and I didn't get it. That parlay included Lions money line and Vikings money line for the record. Wow. So, I'm not happy with the with the Titans, but I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back on. I'm, I think the Titans are going to cover. I'm not sure about the win. I I don't. It seems like a three point game either way. I'm gonna lean Titans cover the three and a half. But I'm also terrified that the Packers figured something out and are gonna just go on this crazy win streak and put everybody to shame. And then we'll just watch them lose in the playoffs, which I'm okay with, with that as well. But I'd rather them not make the playoffs. I don't want to see them happy. I don't want to see Packers fans happy. I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers happy if that's even possible. I don't. I think he hates his life so much. I don't know if that's ever possible. But Sunday Night Football. Got the Chiefs at the Chargers. Chargers plus seven. Ryan is taking the Chargers. Kyle is taking the Chargers. Micah is taking the Chiefs. What are you going to do, John? I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. Chargers are a little banged up on the wide receiving core right now. I don't know that that's going to change uh, this weekend yet. It sounds like Keenan Allen's still out. Mike Williams is out. Um, I just look for Mahomes to have a big game, divisional game. I know it's on the road. Um, if, if, and if that's even on the road. <laughs> right, next door. Um, so well, it's like they don't really have a good home crowd, basically. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, give me the Chiefs. Chiefs. I think they cover that. I'm going to go with the Chargers. I think it's too many points. Home underdog. I like taking that, so I'm going to go Chargers. Next, we got the Cowboys at the Vikings. Vikings, a one-point home underdog. Very surprising to me. Let's test Wasn't your theory. Wasn't surprising for Kyle. Yeah, Kyle took the Cowboys. Let's test your theory here on home <laughs> underdogs. Micah took the Vikings. Ryan took the Vikings. I'm going to take the Vikings. Home underdog, I think, to the better team. I don't think the Cowboys are good. I think the matchup actually is actually really good for, for the for the Vikings. And Kirk Cousins, 1 o'clock game. 
never fails. So what are you going to do? Well, that was what I looked at when uh, this one was on, on the schedule. <laughs> it's like, okay, I see Thursday night, Sunday night. Do the Vikings host the Cowboys at like 4 o'clock or something? I think it's a 4.30, yeah. Oh, is it? Now that I think about it. Uh Oh, well, do I got to scratch that off then? Let me me just confirm this. I actually wrote. I'm pretty sure it's 4.30. I wrote down the Vikings. Yeah, it's 4.25. All right, well, this gives Kyle a chance to make up one on the field. I'm going to go Vikings as well. I think between Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, still a good running game, and uh, the the recent addition of uh, an ex-Lion. TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson yeah. I think uh, the Vikings are gonna separate from that that the rest of that division. I wonder how he did against the Cowboys when he when we played him. I'm gonna pull that up, but no, Can I don't need to pull that. Nobody cares. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares about how he did again. We're we're done with you, TJ. Old news. We're done. We're done with you. Uh, moving on to the Lions game. We got the Lions at the Giants. Giants minus three. Kyle's taking the Lions. Mike is taking the Giants. Ryan is taking the Lions. I'm taking the Lions. What are you doing, John? Uh, we're all going to make up a, a a game on Micah. I'm going to go with the Lions as well. Lions going to win? Yeah. I think so, too. I think so. I hope so. I really, really do. Like you said, I think it's uh, an exposure day for the New York Giants and a chance yeah. for Dan Campbell. Back-to-back road games, that'd That's, be huge. That is that is massive. Uh, 10-30 game. You got Utah at Oregon. Oregon, one-and-a-half-point favorite. Kyle's taking Oregon. Mike is taking Oregon. Ryan's taking Oregon. What are you going to do, John? That 1.5 scares me. Yeah, I know. It's, it it's, seems like it should be more, right? Yeah. So I'm. Gut Instinct told me to take Utah here. I'm going to take Utah on the road. Oregon is a tough place to play. It's yeah. a night game, though, and I think Utah is always kind of scary at nights in a way. Just yeah. I don't know if it'll be something with their uniforms or if they're all going to wear the tinted visor or something. <laughs> but. My gut told me Utah, and that was when you first sent this out. My gut told me Utah. I wrote down Utah. I scratched out Utah, and I wrote Oregon. Something doesn't smell right about this. I should be taking Utah. Oregon lost last weekend, right? Yeah. I'm just wondering if, like, people are sitting out. Like, you know, like, Oregon kind of has that. Oh, two losses now, but, right? But, but home Bo Nix is a different Bo Nix. He's yeah. good at home. I'm going to stick with Oregon. I don't know. I don't really like that pick, but I'm just going to stick with it. Next, you got USC at UCLA. UCLA plus one and a half. Kyle's taking UCLA. Mike is taking USC. Ryan is taking USC. What are you going to do, John? I'm going to test your theory here. Home underdogs. It's more of an NFL thing, but... Oh, it is. It still kind of makes sense. In this, I still feel like one point five is a weird number. These are these are some tough games you're picking uh, this week. But I'm gonna go UCLA, um, in hopes that it really stirs up the Pac-12, yeah. so that Michigan's got an easier chance on getting into the playoffs. Yeah, I hear you there. I, I, Have, if they play a tight game, I'm going State. UCLA. I think their running game is legit. Yeah, and I, I don't think USC is good enough. I really don't. I think they've looked bad too too often. So I'm going to stick with uh, my UCLA pick, and that's probably a little hope as well because yeah. I want to see some more, more chaos on top of the standings. I'm just and trying to make up ground on Micah. You know, oh, right. I, it's <laughs> one of those weeks. I shouldn't be doing this because I've had a couple good weeks in a row and I've really turned the season around, but yeah. I'm going to try to make one up on you, Micah. We got Nooner. We got Illinois at Michigan. Michigan 18-point favorite. Kyle's taking Michigan. Mike is taking Michigan. Ryan is taking Michigan. What are you going to do here, John? 
Alright, I thought very long and hard about this one. I really thought about throwing some money on Illinois. Um, not that I think it's a trap game for Michigan and that they're going to make it particularly close. But maybe Michigan is kind of easing the brakes and uh, want to make sure everybody's 100% healthy going into the Ohio okay. State game. So maybe it's just a 14 or 15 point game. Yeah. But I'm going to go with Michigan. Oh, you're going to you switch it up on me there. I'm going to go with Illinois because both of these teams want to run the ball. Both these teams want to hold the ball. I think there's going to be a lot of long drives. And just when you start getting into, you start limiting the amount of like possessions, you're a punt or two away from this game being really, really close, whether it is or not. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go with Illinois, plus 18. I think Michigan's going to win this game. I don't think it's going to be like nerve-wracking or anything. But I think it's going to just it screams backdoor like cover for Illinois or like, a late touchdown for, for Michigan to make it like a 17-point win. But, like, 18 just seems like too many. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's ever going to be in doubt, but 18 just feels like too much, especially with how much this game means to Illinois, too, with that with the opposite side of the conference being completely wide open and, and really needing this win. Um, I, I, not saying they're going to win. I'm just saying it's – just be careful. Yeah, just going to be one of those games where the scoreboard doesn't really tell you the, the actual game. You know, yeah. Michigan could, could have a 13-point lead the entire game yeah. and it never get any never closer be, yeah, or further exactly. away. Yeah, that's kind of where I, where things go. Last game, we got n- another noon game, Indiana at MSU. MSU minus 10 and a half. Kyle's taking MSU. Micah, again, says Indiana by a billion. Ryan's taking Indiana. What are you going to do, John? And the last time Micah said something about a billion, it didn't work out for him. I so think Rutgers did cover. Was it? No, it was two weeks ago. Mm. Illinois by a billion. Oh, yeah, Michigan yeah, yeah. State won that game. Yeah, that's true. I also picked Illinois that week, and it didn't help me at all. So I'm going to go with MSU. Why not? You know? Maybe, maybe Peyton Thorne just lights them up, and uh, they don't have to rely on that running game that's been very subpar yeah and um i don't know what's indiana gonna do with the rest of their season so i'm gonna go msu there's your one chance spartan fans i'm not just a homer <laughs> yep yeah, both teams are, are are bad football teams but indiana is a very 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 bad football team i i said a couple weeks ago michigan state shouldn't be favored by double digits against anybody i'm wrong because this game they should be favored by double digits and i think they're gonna win this game by quarterback i think this is gonna this is going to be a, you know, 41-10 type game, in my opinion. I think MSU is going to have a really good showing um, and dominate this football game at home. So I'm taking MSU. And those are the picks of the week. Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. <laughs> You're listening to State of My Sports. To remind everybody what we're drinking tonight, we are drinking from Arvon Brewing Company, which is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Chocolate Fountain is a kettle sour with raspberries, blueberries, chocolate, and lactose. Oh, and marshmallows as well. They say high notes of tart berry medley and sweet blueberries support... Supported by the cozy sweetness of marshmallow and chocolate. Five ABVs. Alcohol by volume. This is thick. 
I like the tartness, and, and the chocolate actually complements it extremely well. I, it's, it's a it's a very interesting beer. It's a dessert sour. It is very much a dessert sour. I feel like that's one that I don't know. It, it's it's got everything you want. Like the sour tartness is, is nice. It sits sits on your tongue nice, if that makes sense. Um, and it has a lot of really good flavors, and I like the the consistency of it, like the how how thick it is. I like that's one thing that I really like about the uh, Arvon sours is how they're smoothie like. You know, it's like you're you're, you're getting everything you want. Yeah, you're not just it. getting like a you know a, taste or like a, or like yeah. a cider that is just like straight like juice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is more like a malt, like you said. Yeah. If I had to explain this to my doctor, say I drank like five of these a night. I would say I'm I'm still getting my fruit, Doc. Yeah, honestly. I know there's chocolate in there, but I'm getting my fruit because, <laughs> yeah. it, it, like you said, it's a smoothie. It, yeah. it, it seems healthy. It's smooth. It's fresh. Um, and so many notes going on with this one. It's, uh, it's a yeah. solid beer. What, what, what kind of grade would you give this one? Man, and I'm biased because Arvon, they get me with their IPA sometimes. Yeah. They get the sours should, out there. We should do an Arvon trip. Here um, yeah, man. That was a good time going down there on the bikes at yeah. one time. Riding through that construction zone, oh, too. Yeah, was, that was uh, hopefully nobody's listening of any importance, but I was—I remember riding with, like, a bush latte in my hand, too. I was like, <laughs> oh, man, I'm going right down the street, down, downtown Grand Rapids was, Division, Heartside, uh, you know. Uh, she was fixing the roads, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, Arvon, Arvon's a good time. <laughs> for man, sure. So, hmm, for whatever reason, 8-4. A4 is right there, and it, it might be a little bit low, but it's definitely not too high of, yeah. a, of a rating. No, I, I agree. I, I'm going to go with the 8-2. I think it's really good. Um, it's, I don't know, like, when there's too many different flavors, it, it kind of lowers the score for me. It's like, if this is supposed to be a peach sour, like, boom, there it is. And, like, that's where I get my really, really high grades. When you have multiple different berries, I'm just like, all right, which one? Which one was it? You know what I mean. Which one did I like? And I don't know. That's why it's all. It's really, really good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Eight two is a great score. Um, th- well deserved. And it's just kind of that's where it goes with me with with the sours. It's like it's flirting with that line. Yeah, exactly. Too much going on or not enough going on. Exactly. Um, if you you know if if I read the the description, I'm thinking, oh man, which one do I got to focus on as I take the drink as opposed to just Forget everything that it says. Give it a fair chance. That's where I went and yeah. a heck of a beer. And like you said, when uh, you sent out the show sheet, it's like, ooh, chocolate. Ooh, that's going to be a stout. Yeah, ooh, I'm right. Not gonna have a g- and I didn't read, I didn't read <laughs> yeah, everything. Read I, I saw yeah. Arvon. I saw chocolate chocolate fountain, and I was like, ah, oh, whatever. Um, but, yeah, a lot a lot going on with it. Uh, very tardy. But it's good. I'd rather have that than something too yeah, dark. Well, and, and it's like a stout. perfect amount of, like, like one is, or even splitting one was a good amount. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't have multiples of that. No. In my opinion, it's like it's perfect for a little change up, if you will. Um, definitely not one that you just pound, you know, and keep on keeping on, you know. But um, Carrie was drinking Karen, um, which was a seltzer, right? It was a she called it Mom Water. Yeah, Mom is right? Water is the brand, I believe. The picture is gone for the record. I don't know where it went. Um, it just says for clarity now. So I think I don't have the picture anymore. But she gave it an eight point two. So it's mom water. Um, what flavor was it? Do you remember? It was Karen. Karen uh, lemon, is the lemon lemon blueberry. Yeah, that's right. 
So thank you, Carrie, for listening and giving us your grade. But that was episode 181. We're going to be at 200 before we know it. Thanks for being here tonight, John. Long night, long day at work. Appreciate you taking some time out. Uh, um, not a problem. Always appreciate it. And thank you all for watching and, and listening. We'll talk to you next week. You've not been listening it. to State of My Sports. From the Red Wings to the Lions to the Tigers to the Pistons to Michigan and Michigan State and everything in between, we're talking about it. And don't forget the beer. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at State of My Sports with an M-I. We'll see you next time.